0: There's a band called Everclear who put out a song back in 1997 called Father of Mine. Listen to a few of these lyrics while I read them to you. It says, Father of Mine, tell me where have you been? Yeah, I just closed my eyes and the world disappeared. Father of Mine, tell me how do you sleep with the children you abandoned and the wife I saw you beat? I'll never be safe, I'll never be sane. I'll always be weird inside, I'll always be lame. Now I'm grown, a grown man with a child of my own, and I swear I'll never let her know all the pain that I've known. And then there is this chorus that echoes throughout the whole song that really leaves you with the chill if you listen to it. it says, my daddy gave me a name and then he walked away. It's an autobiographical song that's written and sung by the lead singer about his father who abandoned him as a child. And he's clearly angry, and he's clearly upset as he sings these words over and over again. My daddy gave me a name, and then he walked away. From a young age, we all feel as if our, our parents are somewhat committed to us. They have committed to to love us. They've committed to invest in us. They've committed to protect us no matter what. But unfortunately, for some, maybe some of you in here, you have experienced the brokenness of that promise. And then that leaves pain, doesn't it? It hurts. Maybe you've also made a, a commitment like the lead singer, to be a a better parent for your kids than your parents were for you. Maybe some of you have have made that commitment that says, now that I'm grown with children of my own, I promise I'm not going to let them know all the pain that I have known. Maybe you've made a, a solid commitment to be a loving and devoted parent and you plan on keeping that promise. That's great. I know that many of you have, and I want to encourage you to continue down that path, but I want to let you know this. Unfortunately, though many in our church today, I know some haven't, but though many have made this kind of commitment to be a devoted parent in a physical sense, unfortunately, many have neglected their calling to be the same kind of devoted parent in a spiritual sense. This morning, I want to speak with you about being a devoted spiritual father. Now, some of you hear that, and you're, you may be thinking to yourself, what is that? What are you getting at? I think I know what you're saying, but, but what, what are you getting at here? Well, I'm glad you asked, all right, because that's what we're going to discuss this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We are continuing our sermon series through 1 Corinthians, entitled Paul's Message to a Messy Church. And this morning, we are going to look at verses 14 through 21. If you've been with us for more than a few sermons in this series, you know that this letter written by Paul was written to a church that he planted in the city of Corinth. And like we've said already, this church was a mess, wasn't it? This church had issues, and we're about to get into a whole bunch of them here in the next few weeks. You won't want to miss this, okay? Issues that that began shortly after Paul left. So he writes this letter only five years after leaving Corinth to address all of these issues that this church is having and, and to give them solid biblical counsel in hopes that the Christians at Corinth will listen to what he's saying and, and, and put his to, take his advice to heart and get back on track spiritually and get busy living for God. So this letter teaches us how to deal with various issues in the church. But what we've also learned in this letter is that Paul also shows us the, the role of the pastor and church leaders in the church and how these individuals are, are uh, how, how, they, how they are to be viewed in the church. For the first half of this book, Paul has, has been explaining his relationship to the Corinthians and he does so by giving several different metaphors to describe himself and to describe other church leaders. For example, Paul uses domestic metaphors. In chapter 3, verse 5, he refers to himself and and other church leaders as servants. And we explained that the English equivalent of that word servant is a busboy or a table waiter. So Paul says, when you think of me, think of a spiritual busboy or table waiter he also uses a different word translated servant which refers to the lowliest of slaves Paul also uses agricultural metaphors in chapter 3 when he says I plant Apollos waters and God brings the increase also in chapter 3 Paul uses the metaphor of a builder he refers to himself as the wise master builder who lays the foundation for the early church and describes us who follow along after him, other believers, as the ones responsible for building up the church on the right foundation and in the right way. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul continues with these metaphors here by referring to himself and other ministers as stewards of the mysteries of God and he explains how pastors and church leaders are called by God to use their God-given gifts to take the things that have been given by God and and give them out to their people to God's people here we are at the end of chapter 4 Paul gives us yet another metaphor for the minister and it's a much more personal Metaphor isn't it? then a, a table waiter or a slave or a steward or a farmer or a builder, he refers to himself as a father. Read with me verses fourteen through fifteen here. Paul says this: I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children' For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In this passage, Paul gives a beautiful picture of the ministry of a spiritual father. And he he calls for his readers to follow his example. In verse 16, Paul says, be imitators of me. He is putting himself out there once again as, as an example to follow and he's calling us to imitate him and follow him. So Paul's message to the church this morning, this messy church is this, be a devoted spiritual father. Now for our ladies in here, I want you to know that you don't get this Sunday off, okay? Though I say spiritual father, know that I'm speaking on a much broader scale, all right? There's a greater application to be made here. Paul refers to himself as a father because he's a guy, right? So I'm using that, but, but there is a greater application to be made. So when I, when I talk about being a spiritual father, I'm talking about both of us, male and female, being devoted spiritual parents, Okay? Now back to what it means. Like I said last week, the Bible is God's guide for our life. And not only is it filled with clear instructions for how to live a life that is honoring to God, but it's also filled with example after example of faithful servants like the Apostle Paul who we can look to and compare our lives with and imitate. When our passage for this morning Paul is going to put himself forward once again, and he is going to not just explain what a spiritual father is, but he is going to show us, and he is going to call for us to follow his example. So what we're going to do for the rest of the morning is we are going to look to Paul and examine the characteristics from his own life and ministry given in this passage so that we can know what it takes to be a devoted spiritual father. Father. Here's the first characteristic. Number one, to be a devoted spiritual father, you have to lead people to Christ. A devoted spiritual father leads people to Christ. Look at verse 15. Paul says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul is telling the Corinthians here, Though you have a number of spiritual guides, though you have a number of teachers, I alone am your spiritual father. And the reason why is because God used Paul to lead these people to Christ. This is where being a spiritual father begins. To be a spiritual father, you have to have led someone to the Lord. And that makes sense, right? I mean, a father is someone with a child. Would you agree? Yeah. If you don't have a child, you're not a father. You may be a man and you may be a a husband, but if you don't have kids, you're not a father. Paul was the spiritual father to the Corinthians because as we learn in Acts 18, God chose him to send to Corinth and, and, and he goes there and he gives his life to these people and he pours his life into these people. And as he continues to preach and teach the Word of God to them, many of them eventually come to Christ and a church is started. So Paul was the instrument that God used to birth the church at Corinth. He planted the seed, and out of that seed came Christian converts and then a church. Now, some have studied this text at the end of chapter 4 and have, have had issues with Paul referring to himself as the father of the Corinthians. They say... I thought salvation is solely a work of God. Why is Paul taking any sort of credit here? Well, look at what he says again closely in verse 15. He says, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Other than Paul, there are two essential agents that Paul mentions here in verse 15. He mentions Christ and the gospel. Paul rightly realized that no one comes to saving faith apart from Christ and apart from the gospel. The gospel makes salvation understandable, and the person and work of Christ makes salvation possible. But there is also a human agent in salvation, isn't there? When Jesus asked his followers, when he told his followers to pray to the Lord of the harvest, how did he end that verse? Did he say, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would come down in a physical and real way and directly save people? Did he say, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would write the gospel message in the clouds and speak audibly from heaven for all to hear? Is that what he said? He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Jesus also said in Matthew 28 that we are to go and make disciples. And in Acts 1.8, He calls for us to be His witnesses, believers, though salvation is a work of God. God uses His people as instruments for His redemption. We are called to be His witnesses. So to be devoted spiritual parents, you, you, you first have to have spiritual children. And to have spiritual children, you have to take this message, the gospel message, and push it out and make it known. It's what we've all been called to do. Though it's up to God to save, I truly believe that when we're faithful to do this, we're faithful to be a witness for Christ to our kids and to our family and to our friends and to our co-workers. Fruit will come from that. You will reproduce if you're faithful to do it. You will produce spiritual children. Maybe some of you here, you're hearing that, it's a bit intimidating to you. You're afraid of rejection, or maybe you're, 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 you're fearful that you don't have a good handle on the gospel. And you're fearful that you'll misrepresent the message. Listen, if this is your thinking, this is why it's important that you commit to come here week in and week out, because like I've said, this is the place where believers get equipped to be faithful witnesses for the Lord Jesus. This is the place where you get equipped. Our equipping class has just started up, but the title for this year's lesson is, is Getting the Gospel Right for the whole year what we're going to be going through is is the the gospel according to the scriptures and I encourage you to to come and be a part of that so that you can get equipped to be a solid witness for Christ so that you can become a devoted spiritual parent so the first characteristic is that a devoted spiritual father leads people to Christ number two A devoted spiritual father lovingly corrects God's people. Highlight the word lovingly. Look at verse 14. Paul says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. If you'll remember in the previous passage we talked about last week, Paul dished out some harsh rebukes, didn't he? He spoke pretty harshly to the Corinthians. He said, oh, you guys are great. You know, you got the Christian life licked. You're kings. You're full. You don't need any of us. You remember Paul talking in that way? He was extremely sarcastic. And I'm sure many of them were, after reading that, ready to wash their hands of the Apostle Paul. Remember, they were prideful people. And those are some hard words for for prideful people to hear. But here in verse 14, Paul gives his reason for giving this harsh rebuke. He says, my goal in criticizing you is not to browbeat you. is not to leave you cowering and cringing in a corner somewhere. He says, my purpose is not to humiliate you, get this, it's to reclaim you. He says, I do this to admonish you. Now, it's very important we understand what that word admonish Means And it simply means this, to criticize in love in hopes of a change. It's what Paul was doing with the Corinthians. He loved the Corinthians. He had a deep love for them. In fact, the word beloved used here is the strongest kind of love, the deepest kind of love. It's not just a brotherly love. It's the kind of love that God has for his people, the kind of love that parents have for their children, parents. When you love your children, you love them in all sorts of ways, don't you? You love them sacrificially, meaning you love them more than your own life, so much so you would lay your life down for them without a second thought. You also love them with understanding. Father and mother who loves their children, they struggle to understand their child so that they can meet his or her needs. You also love with patience. This is hard at times but we do. You don't just write your children off, do you? Every time they they make a mistake, but you continue to instruct them and correct them so that they can improve and be more of the person that God has called them to be. Get this, this is also the way we are to love God's people. This is the way we're to love God's people. This is the way Paul loved spiritual children. He loved them sacrificially. He loved them with patience. He loved them with understanding. He didn't quit on them, did he? When things got really bad, and it got really bad, but he came to their aid and sought to understand their situation so that he could help direct them and get them back on track and living for God. Sure, he got heated with them, but what parent doesn't? who truly loves their child. Paul says, I admonish you. I criticize you because I love you, because I want to see a change in your life. Believers, to be devoted spiritual parents, you need to be willing to admonish God's people. If you see your friend, or family member, or maybe a spiritual child of yours, someone you've led to Christ, involved in godly activity. Get me l- listen to this. You need to be willing to speak into their lives in hopes of a changed behavior. This is so key. Now you need to be tactful about it, right? In the way you go about it, you shouldn't just publicly shame them, or make a a mockery of them, or put them out on display in public, but, but you should rebuke them in order to reclaim them. Believers, we need to be willing when we're out of line to receive rebuke from wise and godly spiritual parents. Solomon says in Proverbs 13:1, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, this is talking about a literal father and son here, but I I think it applies to us. A scoffer here is a prideful fool who doesn't respect anyone and listens to no one. Solomon says, don't be like the scoffer, but be willing to receive instruction. Be willing to be rebuked and know that if it's done in love, it's done for your good. This is an important part of a spiritual father's work to speak into the lives of people when they're in the wrong because we love them and because we care about them. Believers, let me ask you this morning. Do you love God's people in this way? Think about your closest friend, your closest family member who's a believer. Maybe it's someone you've led to Christ. Let me me ask you this. Do you care about them enough? to speak into their lives when they're in the wrong so that they can become more of who God has called them to be? For those of you all on the other end, let me say this. Those kind of people should be your best friends. You should seek out friends like that because those are the ones who truly care for you. Those who want to see you thrive spiritually. Those who want you to become all that God has called you to be. Those are the kind of friends you need. They should be your best friends. What if our relationships look like this in the church? What if we made a decision as a church to not be okay with status quo Christianity? What if we began to confront problems that we see in one another? What if we began to challenge one another to grow in godliness and mature to another level spiritually? And what if we swallowed our pride and we accepted a loving rebuke once in a while and took criticism to heart and made changes accordingly? Can you imagine what our church would look like? If we would lovingly correct one another and, and, and accept correction so that we can be, become more of who God has called us to be? May that be true of us. Number three. A devoted spiritual father sets a good example for God's people. Again, verse 26, Paul says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Here in verse 16, Paul puts himself out there once again and calls for the believers at Corinth to be imitators of him. He's saying, I'll set the pattern, you follow. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I've heard pastors say before, live as I say, not as I do. Some of them jokingly say it and some of them probably mean it. Don't follow me, follow Jesus. But is that the biblical pattern for leadership? That's what Jesus accused the Pharisees of doing. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 2 through 4, he says this, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat, they preach but do not practice, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. The scribes and the Pharisees had their doctrines in order, they thought. They knew the Bible, they could quote God's law better than anyone, but they had one major problem in their life. They didn't have a lifestyle to match. Paul says, he doesn't say here, follow my teachings. Paul says, follow my life. Can you say that, believers? Can you tell people, if you live the way I live, then you'll be living the life that Christ has called you to live. Wow. That's a question right there, isn't it? If you can't, what needs to change in your life? What in your life is out of sync spiritually? I asked you this question last week. Is your Christian walk consistent with your Christian confession? Though I'm sure many in here would claim to be followers of Christ... Is your walk, is that walk that you're to have with Christ, is it consistent with your confession? Parents, what kind of examples are you setting in the homes? When you leave this place and go home, are you the same type of person you are there that you are here? It's one of the toughest places to disciple, isn't it? Because your kids and your spouse, they see you at your worst. They see you when you've in the morning, they have to deal with you and see you when you didn't get enough sleep the night before. After a long day of work, they see you and have to deal with you when you're tired and when you're stressed out. It's one of the toughest places to disciple, but it's the place where discipleship is needed the most. What kind of example are you setting in the workplace Believe me when I say your coworkers are watching. They are. They're watching how you respond in certain situations. They're sizing you up to see if you're the real deal, to see if your walk is consistent with your confession. Discipleship, listen, it's so much more than teaching principles to people. It's living principles in front of people. That's what discipleship is. That's the way Paul viewed it, and that's why he said, imitate me as I follow Christ. Now, some upon hearing this will be tempted to say, well, that's Paul, you know? The guy's super Christian, you know? Nobody can live to that kind of standard. Well, if that's your thinking, you're wrong, biblically. Look at verse 17. Paul says, that's why I sent you Timothy. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ. Now, when first reading this in context, that seems a little strange that that this follows verse 16. Because Paul says, be imitators of me, that's why I'm sending Timothy. It's kind of strange, isn't it? Imitate me, I want you to imitate me, so I'm sending him. Wouldn't it make more sense for Paul to say, I want you to imitate me, so I'm I'm coming to show you? how this is done? What's the deal here? I'll tell you. Here we have a great example of what results from a devoted spiritual parent. Paul had done such an excellent job in raising Timothy that Timothy going to Corinth was the same as Paul being there. And he says, when he gets there, he'll remind you of my ways. In other words, he's saying, when Timothy gets to you, not only will his doctrine be the same, but his life will be the same as mine. Paul is saying, when he arrives, you will have my example before you because he and I are equally Christ-like. Believers, we need to be pouring our lives into one another in this way. If you're further along spiritually than others, if you're more advanced in the faith, you need to be pouring your life into new believers. And new believers, to grow in godliness, you need to be seeking out mature followers of Christ to imitate, to emulate, so that we as a church can move together to become more equally Christ-like. When Christ called for His disciples to 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 make disciples in Matthew 28 Paul and Timothy is what he had in mind That's the standard And if you're wanting to know where to begin again it begins here Begins in the home but it also begins here getting plugged in to this church to the ministries that we have in place If you're just a babe in Christ you're just starting out, you need to be plugging into our equipping classes, into our small group ministries, so that you can grow in your knowledge of God, so that you can grow in the Christian faith, and so you can meet men and women who you can look to and learn from. It's important. Fourth characteristic is this number four, a devoted spiritual father carefully instructs God's people. Look at verse 17. Paul says, That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways as I teach them everywhere in every church. Though it's important to live out what you believe, like we just talked about, like we just said, it is also important to carefully instruct others, because let's be honest, you can't live out principles you don't know right it's just practical paul says timothy will remind you of my ways which are in christ the same principles that i teach everywhere did you get that paul taught principles he taught biblical practical applicable principles. This is very important. To be a devoted spiritual father, not only should you instruct others, but the instruction that you give should be biblical, understandable, and applicable. This is very important. Sometimes we have to crucify our intellectualism, don't we? And just teach basic, biblical, practical, understandable principles. Look at what John Stott said here. This is a great quote. John Stott said, if we love them, our objective will not be to impress them with our learning, but to help them with theirs. It's good. St. Augustine said this, a wooden key is not as beautiful as a gold one, but if it can open the door when the gold one can, it's far more useful. It's a great point. The key is not to impress, but it's to bring understanding. And I can honestly tell you, that's what I want to hear more than anything else. That people are getting it, you know? Not, not, wow, you know a lot, but wow, I'm getting it. I understand. That's what I strive for each and every week. And it, and it takes work. And you need to strive for that as well. When teaching your kids and when teaching your, your, your family and your friends. It takes hard work. It takes a lot of study. But we're to be doing that. We're to be devoting ourselves to the Word of God. To study it so that we can communicate it in a in a real practical and applicable way so to be a devoted spiritual father you have to lead people to Christ lovingly correct God's people set a good example for God's people carefully instruct God's people and lastly number five to be a devoted spiritual father you have to effectively discipline God's people many don't like this I don't like that word discipline. That's a great word. Look at verses 18 through 21. Paul says, Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out, not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? Yikes. Or with love in a spirit of gentleness. There are times when a father has to discipline his child. It's written in his job description that at times he is to exercise discipline. This is important because do you know what happens to a child if if he or she goes a long time without discipline? They become arrogant. They begin to think that they're above any such discipline. And this is what is happening in Corinth. They have become arrogant in Paul's absence. In verse 18, he says, some of you are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. The Corinthians, they they thought they were something. They thought they had arrived. They thought they were above being disciplined by someone like Paul. And, And they thought they had kind of moved beyond Paul and thought Paul might be intimidated by their status in the church and in the community they were wrong Paul says in verse 19 if it be possible if the Lord wills I'm coming and we'll see who's all talk and who's the real deal we'll see whose Christian walk is consistent with their Christian confession he says for the kingdom of God I love this does not consist in talk but in power. In other words, talk is cheap. He says, when I come, I'll be able to tell who exhibits true Christian character, who's a true member of the kingdom of God, who's authentic, not by lofty words, but by examining one's life. Verse 21, Paul gives them a choice of how he's to come. He said, how am I going to come to you guys? With love and a spirit of gentleness or with The rod. He says, how do you want me to come? Notice he leaves that open-ended because it's in the Corinthians court, right? Parents, you ever say this to your kids? The choice is yours. You can obey me. Everything will be great. Or disobey and face the consequences. Yeah. Why do you give your children these options? Hopefully it's because you want them to, to obey you no matter what because that's what God has called them to do. Listen, when you allow kids to continue in disobedience, you're showing them that you're fine with them disobeying God because God told them to obey you. So not only are they in trouble and in the wrong, you are as well as a parent. You're both being disobedient. Paul was not okay with his spiritual children continuing in disobedience toward God, and basically says here, you guys need to obey, but it's your choice whether it's going to be the easy way or whether it's going to be the hard way. Once again, church, we need to be speaking into one another's lives like this. We do. We need to at times be hard on one another, not because we want to be the boss, not because we want to rule over somebody, but because we love one another and want to see people thrive spiritually to become all that God has called them to be. So to be a devoted spiritual father, you must be willing to discipline God's people. Let me end with this. Though many of the Corinthians were clearly in the wrong and Paul's day, though many of them needed to be corrected because of their, their attitudes and because of their actions. Listen, truth is, Scripture says all of us, without exception, have sinned against God. We've all failed to measure up to, to God's perfect standard, and we all deserve God's rod of discipline. We do. Though that's the case, though God is a just God who hates and and punishes sin, He is also a God of mercy and grace. And He demonstrated that for us by sending His Son who emptied Himself and became one of us and who suffered and died for us so that we might be forgiven and made right with God. Jesus endured the punishment for us that we deserve. He endured the rod of discipline in our place so that we could be brought into the family of God. It's a wonderful gift. And this wonderful gift can be available to you today. If you never have, if you are not trusting in Christ for your salvation, today if you would confess your sin... If you would turn from that sin and trust in Christ alone for your salvation, get this, you can be made right with God and be well on your way to being more of the person that He has called you to be. If you've never done that, I pray that you would this morning. Would you pray with me?